Ladies and gentlemen, we surprised you with another episode today. We just released episode 134, episode 1 of season 3. Me and DJ Wavy D recorded that Tuesday night. And y'all, so I woke up. It's Wednesday morning. I woke up and said, you know what? I got to watch NXT from last night. It's, it's one of those shows that I record every single week. A lot of times I try to watch it live, but if I can't, it is one of those, you know, like I don't record Raw. Honestly, I don't think I've watched a full episode of Raw in several weeks. Um, well, that's a lie. I uh, I watched the episode, the first episode of this year, uh, day one, all the way through. But before then, it's been a while. Uh, like that I sat through. I normally just sort of watch recaps and read, you know, what happened. Uh, three hours is a tough show to sit through. Even, you know, recording it, um, SmackDown, I don't, I don't think I've watched a full SmackDown in a while, right? But NXT, like, I, I it's, it's my show, man. Y'all know this, y'all know how I feel about NXT. Um, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about this episode because it, it, there's... There's a there's sort of this narrative out there that NXT, you know, sucks. And and when we talk about it, like when I talk about NXT, like I know that it, it doesn't generate a lot of uh traffic in turn like it is the third most watched WWE show. Like I get that. Um but every time I tune into NXT, like the reason I'm so into it is is the stories, is the gimmick. It keeps me, uh, it keeps me interested. To me, this is what, uh, NXT is what AEW thought it was going to be, right? Because it was promoted as, like, the alternative to what WWE was doing on Raw and SmackDown, as, the you know, AEW was supposed to be, like, wrestling for everybody, and there's going to be a little bit of everything for everybody, right? And that is exactly what NXT is. If AEW followed that mentality, I would probably enjoy it, even though I don't know a lot about the superstars, right? But even if you go to NXT, a lot of them are new. A lot of them are, I don't want to say, and they are more in development. They're still, you know, they're athletes who, you know, have been signed for six months to a year, train in the performance center, and when they're ready, they get thrown on TV, right? And and so a lot of these people don't have a lot of wrestling background. They're not known to a mainstream audience. It's the same thing, sort of. And the only difference is, is with AEW, a lot of them are more indie darlings, right? And so like, like a Kenny Omega to a casual fan, they wouldn't know who he was in 2019, right? So when AEW started and they promoted themselves as this uh, this uh, alternative that's going to be, you know, it's going to give, uh, that's going to give you, 
you know, wrestling, a little bit of it. You're going to have your comedy. You're going to have your your in-ring. Like they, they promised this like product that was going to be um, a little bit of something for every fan base, right? And, and, and maybe that's what AEW is, but that's not what it seems like to me. NXT has always been, right? But, when, but within the NXT, like, fan base, the people who enjoy NXT, the argument is always that the current NXT product is nowhere near as good as, as black and gold, and I thoroughly disagree. Like, black and gold NXT is what AEW is today. That's what it felt like to me. Like black, like I think there's a, re- a, a reason I don't like AEW, and it's because when I look at AEW, what I see is NXT black and gold. I, you know, it's a lot of good matches on pay-per-views, Right, in the same way that NXT had a lot of very good matches on their takeover events, right? When when Black and Gold was was going, right, they had a lot of very very good, like you know, four or five star matches on their takeover events. But but when it came to the week to week storytelling to get me to take over, right, or to get me to one of these pay per views, it seemed to be lacking to me, right. And so when I look at AEW's product today, what I see is is NXT black and gold, which I think is why the indie fans are so endearing to AEW and black and gold. They're the same product. They are the literal same product. Triple H really, when he was running black and gold, really tried to make an indie-centric product in NXT. And and what I what we're getting now is sort of like a mixture of of the indie scene and the WWE scene. And it's sort of that balance in NXT where there, there is character work and there is gimmick work. And, but there is also very entertaining matches, like good, just in the ring matchups. Um, and, and so I thoroughly enjoy NXT, but let's break down this episode from uh, Tuesday, January the 9th. So it starts, it starts with, uh, Nikita Lyons and Blair Davenport. And this is sort of a... So, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't really care about Blair da- Davenport. Um, I don't have a, a care in the world for her. Um, She does pick up a win against Nikita. I'll be interested to see where this leads. Um, I don't know. I just don't know what the plan with this, with this storyline is. Um... Not much to really say. I'm interested to see where it goes. I do like Nikita Lyons. Um, I just... She's been here for, what, two two years now? And because of injury, it just feels like she's in the same place because that's... She's, she's you know, she gets started, she gets hurt, she, right? She comes... She has to recover. She comes back, gets started, and then gets hurt. And now she's back again. And, and my fear isn't that she's going to get hurt again. My fear is, is that... You know, she's two years into this run and she's in the same place because of her previous injuries. And so I don't know how long the fan base is going to really cheer for her, especially when she's taking losses week in and week out. Um, and so, I mean, Nikita's good in the ring. She's a, a she's a powerhouse. And but but I think, you know, I, I always say booking is 90% of, of, of wrestling, right? And so if you're going to have her continually lose matches, I I don't necessarily know how long the interest in Nikita Lions will, will, will be there. Um, and so 
with that being said, it was a decent match. It was a decent segment. You know, the fight beforehand, you know, starting in the starting in the uh, parking lot, going down the ramp, right? And so, a decent moment there um, for that. We then get Braun Breaker, Baron Corbin as a tag team versus Gallus for the Dusty Cup uh, first round in which Baron and Braun won. Uh, let's just be honest, right? Um, so, we actually get... The Dusty Cup tournament. Now it's kind of it's. I don't want to say it's cheating to make these predictions. I wish they would have released the bracket like last week, rather than waiting till this week to announce the bracket. Um, but so you got you got Gallus versus Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin. And then Hank and Tang versus Axiom and Fraser. Both of those matches were super, super predictable. Those were the matches that were last night. Both of them were super, super predictable. The win people who I were going, who I would have predicted to win, did win those matches. It's Axiom and Fraser and Breaker and Corbin. Those were the the winners. I would have picked them uh, anyway. That was super predictable. On the other side of the bracket, you got Chase U versus LWO. You got uh, Anofe and Blade versus uh, Trick Mellow Gang. Um, that match right there is going to be the... That's probably going to be the main event next week. Um, and it's going to be a banger of a match. And I'm not exactly certain how that goes. Part of me believes Anofe and Blade are going to win that match. In fact, that's that's going to be my upset pick. Is Anofe and Blade beating Trick Mellow Gang. And that's all going to lead to the story. Uh, tr uh, I think Carmelo is going to accidentally, uh, like either kick trick or hit trick with with the move, and that's what's going to cost them the match. LWO versus Chase U um, is going to be an interesting match as well. Um, I think Chase U is going to win. I do. I think Chase U will win that match. And so that leaves us with a no and blade versus chase you. And then breaker and Corbin versus axiom and Fraser. Um, I'm going to go Corbin and breaker and then a no and blade in the finals in which breaker and Corbin are, I believe are going to win. Uh, and, and, and I believe it for, for one reason, the dusty cup has always been won by random tag teams been put together and WWE just doesn't necessarily care in my opinion about their tag team division you know actually building up now I it would not surprise me if a no fan blade won the whole thing e either Corbin and uh, either Corbin and breaker or a no fan blade I believe will be your winners of the dusty cup it just depends on are they actually going to care about the tag team division long-term to have an actual tag team win it, or are they going to put it on Corbin and, and Breaker uh, as some sort of like storyline uh, building type thing? Um, that's that's the question we have to ask ourselves. But as we head into, what is it, Vengeance Day? Uh, at the beginning of February, I believe it is. Um, I'm going to say Corbin and, and Breaker are winning uh, the, the dusty cup. That's just my, that's my pick at the moment. Um, we then have, um, 
Lyra Valkyria give a promo. She's she's slowly, slowly starting to to get over with me. Um, her promo work, of uh, you know, as she was starting to build this run, I just wasn't into it. But she's slowly, slowly starting to get over as she's doing this championship run. Um, so she comes out, announces a battle, a twenty-woman battle royal to determine who's going to face her at Vengeance Day. With the, the the twist being, once they get to the final four, it will become a, a fatal four-way. One fall ends the match, right? Which I like this little twist because we tend to do these battle royals, and it just like it uh they tend to follow the same formula right now. Now they did uh, show the graphic of who's in it. And I want to sort of discuss that for a minute. And some of my concerns with who are, who's in it is well, really the main, my main concern, my, the only concern I have in it is Lola vice already has a contract to, for a women's championship match whenever she wants it. Why is she then in the battle royal, is there not a single other woman you could have put in her place, right? That's my really my only concern. You know, I could try to sit here and and pick um, who I think is going to be the final four, and I think we'll get someone like Kiana James, maybe like Roxanne. You know, I really hope Fallon's in the final four, um, but. I don't know. I just there, there's a lot of potential storylines that could be built there, um, and so I'm interested in seeing this. I know Carmen Petrovic, which is one of the girls that I've really sort of picked up and and started to cheer for. She's in the match. Um, I think we'll we'll see some people do some some crazy things. This is that this is the the style match that Sol Ruka broke out in last year before she got hurt, um, and so. You know, this is a, a decent a decent match that we have here. Um, Tatum Paxley comes in for the save at the end of the segment after uh, Valkyria gets attacked by Lola Vice and Electra Lopez. Tatum Paxley comes in for the save. This storyline is very interesting. And it's got me, every time Lyra's on the screen, it's got me looking for Tatum Paxley. It really, it really does. Um, and so it, it's a, it's a, I like this story. It's it's a little weird, um, but it is um, it's an entertaining story to say the least. To see um, Valkyria and Paxley sort of that awkwardness on screen of of that, and it's being portrayed very well, in my opinion. Um, and so, if this is going to be you know, like a lead up towards like a woman's dusty cup, which I think they're going to do eventually. That's probably what this is leading into. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see where we see where it goes. Um, we then sort of get the, there's a thread that goes through this episode and that is Tiffany Stratton being uh, a farmhand on, Fallon Henley's farm. See, these are the type of things that I've been saying since 2020, if not longer, that WWE needs to do on Raw and SmackDown. These, uh, these, these vignettes, these little, uh, things just that, that, you know, 
a minute, two minutes, three minutes long, and they take you throughout the the episode. These out of the arena uh, vignettes, right? Where there, even if it's just one story, like this told something. This probably took on, you know, a total of like two, three hours to film, and you only showed really what five minutes worth of 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 work, if maybe a little more. Right. But, but there's a, there's a, it's a thread that goes through. It takes you out of the arena into another atmosphere of the, of the world, right? Into another sort of place that, you know, in 2019, 2020, what, uh, like WWE was very boring. Like, and especially like leading up to those years as well, where like every promo happened either backstage or in the ring. And there wasn't another, um, like location. And so everything just sort of felt robotic. Like everything felt like it was mechanic, right? It, it was being pushed out of a machine and right. And, and with, when NXT does these vignettes that happen, you know, Tony, Tony D in jail, right? Those promos, right? Those were well-received promos. And I believe that, that people like those promos because, they happen outside of the arena. It, it takes us to another place within the universe of WWE rather than just being in the ring and backstage and it's robotic and it's, and it's the same thing every single week. Um, and so these Tiffany Stratton, first off, they're, they're funny. Fallon Henley, I believe is one of the best in this gimmick, right? And this is what I'm talking about when I say that, 90% of the business is booking and part of booking is character work and character development and gimmick. Tiffany, uh, excuse me. Uh, well, Tiffany Stratton's gimmick, uh, does work for her, right? She plays it well, but Fallon Henley, when she first got to NXT was not over whatsoever in any way, shape or form. She gets put into this country girl gimmick which hits with a lot of people in the South. Um, and, and, and even like, it's not like the, it's not only like Southerners are the only people who farm, right. Or our country, right. There's people out in, in Montana and in Texas and in and, and the Midwest. Right. And so this, it, it's a widespreading gimmick of people, maybe people who watch it, who can relate to that gimmick. Um, but I also believe it feels natural to her. Right, this feel like the, throughout the the string of promos throughout the night with Fallon Henley, this felt supernatural, like she grew up on a farm or something. Now I don't know her background. I maybe she maybe it's not, but this feels natural. Um, and 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 you you can find throughout history of people who are in gimmicks that are not natural, and they just kind of you know they can't get over with them. Right, this feels natural for Fallon Henley. And so because of that, because it's natural, because it looks good, and because at least to me, she physically looks good. Um, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, I think Fallon Henley's now a fan favorite because they're booking her. They're giving her things. They're presenting her on screen as someone who is a is natural in her gimmick and is is pretty pretty good in the ring, right? And so when I come out here and say booking and presentation is ninety percent of the business, I this is what I'm talking about. 
right? It, it, the, the business is not about how good you are between the ropes. That's 10% of it. But how are you presented? How are you being booked? What's the story you're, you're telling? How natural are you in your gimmick? Like presentation and booking are more important than the entering. And this is what I'm talking about when I say 90% of the business is booking. Um, we then have Josh Briggs and Oral Mensa. I'm going to be honest. I love Josh Briggs. I know a lot of people don't. Um, but I really felt, this is, this is my opinion. I really felt what really made Josh Briggs stand out was be, was the, the story with the tag team and then breaking that tag team up literally made me upset. Like, like it, it, you know, I don't know. I was physically like, or not really physically, not physically. I wasn't like I was crying, but it, but they were becoming slowly becoming one of my favorite uh, teams in NXT and in WWE. Now I still will cheer for Josh Briggs. I still like Josh Briggs. I think he's a fantastic talent. I saw him in Evolve before he came to NXT, um, and dude was you know still doing his his thing down there. He's a very good talent. Um, I love Oromensa. I'm not really. I don't necessarily care about this this storyline. All that much. This was just a filler match. Briggs got the win. It, it uh, ultimately, I think this will lead to Briggs winning the the cup, which is good for Briggs. What I feel bad for though is Brooks Jensen because he sort of was the odd one out, sort of like the third wheel in that group. And then breaking that up, I really worry about where that leads Brooks Jensen uh, going forward. Um. We then have the NXT Tag Team Championship match between the family uh, and OTM. So first off, NXT, I think this was the plan anyway, so I'm not going to be like, oh, they listened to me. But NXT finally, uh, last week, gave us a name for the woman that's been sort of hanging around Tony D and Stacks, right? The sort of woman in charge, right? Adriana Rizzo. First off, the, that's like the most Italian name you could come up with. I love it. Fits the gimmick well, right? Adriano Rizzo. Um, and, and so now we have a name for her, right? And, and, and the reason I, I was calling for a name for, for her is one, and the most important reason is as a character, now we can sort of build a connection with the character, right? There is an importance in names, right? Uh you know, now I can say, oh, Adriana Rizzo did this. And you can immediately connect who that is. Rather than me saying that one girl that hangs out in the corner, right? Or, or whatever, right? It, 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 a name is important because it's, a, it's something that you can initially connect with. Like, when you come and you, you be, when you come and you watch this and you see my face and now you know the name, We Too Deep, like, you can connect We Too Deep to this podcast, like, when someone says, oh, we too deep said this, you immediately know who that is. So so now that we have this, but even on a more personal level, now now I know who I got to follow on Instagram. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, kind of. But yeah, I, um, I love OTM. I do. They did not need to win the tag titles here, so I'm glad with the decision to keep them on the family. I think this builds a little bit more storyline between them. OTM's being very good. They're growing 
exponentially. Like every time they get on TV, they seem to be doing better. Scripps is a very good manager. And oh, baby, they when I say they're growing, they're literally growing. And I don't know. OTM may now just be my favorite faction in WWE, the entire company, right? So I, I, OTM adds Jada Parker, who I thought was the biggest breakout star of the breakout tournament. And, and I, she was natural in her promo to get like, to get into the thing, right? You know, this promo she does where she, you know, OTM's talking, walking through the parking lot with scripts saying, you know, we should have won. We got played. And then standing in front of their car is Jada Parker. And, you know, they she's like, you know, I think I'm a perfect fit for you. I can help you guys out type promo, right? And then Scripps is like, well, let's go do business. She's now part of, of OTM. And this faction just gets better, right? It just, it works. It works, right? And she's she's a natural at, at the in the promo style that she gave, uh, you know, I love it. I love that faction. Everyone there is, is you know, around the same age, uh, around the same sort of experience level in terms of how long they've been in the company. This is a team that is a completely artificially created in terms of, you know, you, you get a lot of factions that are like best friends who do who grew up in the business together. And these are just people, like I think the two guys in OTM probably know each other. Um, but the, these are just, a, a group of people who are athletes, who are athletically gifted, who sign around the same time, who they put together because it makes sense, right? And and, and this is how you build a team, man. I don't care how long Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens have been best friends for. I'm not interested in that tag team. Be, I, I just don't care, right? But, you know, you, you, you get a, a, a group of people together. They may not know each other from Adam outside of work, Right? But you put them together, and they and you put a common gimmick b- between them, and they they're natural in it. This OTM's going to work because of 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 who's in it, how natural they are in the part that they're playing, and they're all just athletically good. NXT is is showing me something. The future of WWE is bright, baby. The future is bright in WWE because of their strategy on bringing in athletically gifted superstars, right? And then training them in the way of sports entertainment. I, and I've gone over this at, at, at length many of times, many of times. I've gone at length over this strategy and why I think it's better than just taking the 20-year indie vet and signing them to a contract because that 20 year indie vet may have bad, bad, uh, habits that he has formed in those 20 years that no one has ever retaught. And you can, you can just go to a training school anywhere. It doesn't matter who the trainer is. You could just go to a school, pay a couple hundred bucks and, and get trained and then go wrestle for 20 years. And you may not even have been trained correctly. And so WWE brings you in they train you how to wrestle, but they train you in sports entertainment. They train you in their method, right? And, and WWE's method, without a doubt, is the best method, right? It's the reason why, for the last 40-plus years, WWE has been the number one company in wrestling, right? 
It's the reason why people tune into WWE for decades over any other independence, right? It's it's the reason, right? Is is there money behind it? Sure, but but Vince, it wasn't like Vince McMahon was like a billionaire when he bought WWE from his dad, right? He worked hard to get WWE. His father worked even harder to get it to the point to where Vince could buy it from his dad, right? And so, like, like there's a reason. Like, WWE has tried, test, and proven to be the best place to be a pro wrestler at. And so their method works. Um, and, and, and it's only getting better. Like, I'm ecstatic about the, the future of, of WWE because they have people like OTM and, and, and several others. Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams. You know, Braun Breaker pl- was playing on the practice squad of the Baltimore Ravens. He played football. Does he have the family name? Sure. But he wasn't a wrestler. But he took to it like it was easy. Trick Williams was sitting on the bench at the University of South Carolina. Wasn't going to go pro in football. So he comes to WWE and he takes to it like it was nothing. Right, but how many of these indie darlings have we seen come into to WWE, trained wrestlers, come into NXT, and just absolutely flop? How many of them have we seen do that? It's not all of them, right? Not everyone can do WWE style. And so I'm never going to say WWE is the place every wrestler should be because I don't think everyone is made for WWE. But, but I think it's easier to transition from pro-level athletics to a system in WWE that is more focused on personality and and pure athleticism than it is over how good of a wrestler, how good of a grappler, how good of a of a uh, how good are you at doing, you know, different spots, right? Cuz cuz WWE's not meant to be a spot fest. Right? But, but but we'll move forward. We'll move we'll move forward. Yeah, Cora Jade and Gigi Dolan. I'm gonna be honest. I skipped right past this match. Um, this is just a filler match. There's a story behind it, and 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 I like it. But it just sort of seems like it's Cora Jade against the locker room, and and this match in particular just felt like a a TNA. You know, a tits and ass fest. Like jo- Dolan's got the ass, Jade's got the tits, and uh, and uh, that that's all this match really seemed to to be interesting for. Um, I'm not gonna say it was bad, but but it's your typical TV match. Uh, Cora Jade gets the victory as expected, um, and so going forward, where does this lead? I'm not exactly certain, but it does feel like it is Cora Jade versus like the women's locker room. So we'll see where we'll see where where that leads. You then get Nathan Fraser and Axiom versus Hank and Tank again. Very predictable match. Um, for, Hank and Tank are still a work in progress. Um, I don't think they they sort of took off super strong. I'm not personally a big fan of Hank Walker. I do like Tank Ledger. Uh, he's one of those athletes they pulled in, and and I think he really took well to it. Um, but I, I'm not a big fan of Hank Walker. He just looks a little bit awkward out there. He's always been awkward to me, even when he first started on the scene as like that security guard who then wrestled. He just sort of seems out of place to me. That's just my opinion. Um, but Axiom and Fraser absolutely 
without a doubt, we could have I could have told you they were winning this match. Um, then we get Dragon Lee versus Lexus King. Lexus King earlier in the night had a contract ready, open challenge, and Dragon Lee signed it. And um, so Dragon Lee wins this match in what seemed to be a pretty decent, you know, challenge, right? Oh, but the greatest thing, the greatest thing happened. The greatest thing happened for this match. And that is the match ended and Oba Femi cashed in his breakout tournament contract. Because this is what I like about the breakout tournament contract. The rules are pretty simple. It just gives you a title opportunity, right? With money in the bank forever, it just sort of felt like, you know, the winner goes after the world champion. And a lot of, I think a lot of people have this assumption that that's what this breakout contract was for. I like that, that, that this opportunity for Oba, he took a title opportunity. He went after the North American championship. Rather than going after Dragonov and 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 we knew like because that would have made the story between Trick and Dragonov very fuzzy, knowing that Obafemi could just come out and steal the title at any point. But Obafemi comes out with the ref, cashes in this contract, and beats Dragon Lee for the North American Championship. And ladies and gentlemen, Obafemi may just be. One of the strongest booked, like, first couple weeks on TV that I've ever seen. And I'm, so I'm going to go back to that point. 90%. In fact, I know the episode up to this point has been titled NXT Review, but we're going to make some changes live. This is going. This episode's going to be titled 90% of wrestling is booking. Long title, I I know. But 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 that's the case. Ninety percent of wrestling is booking. And I gotta take this back a few months, man. I got to. I got to make this correlation. Cause when did I first start saying this slogan? Ninety percent of wrestling is booking. Back when we were discussing Omos. About what, a year ago it seems like at this point? Uh, it was it was my maybe six months ago, right? We were discussing Omos, and I, and and everyone was saying, you know, he's he's, you know, all these arguments about why Omos shouldn't be in the WWE. And my my full-hearted belief was, if he was booked strong, people would like him. And you know exactly the very proof that I need right now is Obafemi, Nigerian beast, giant of a man. He's a little bit shorter than Omos. But if Omos had gotten this treatment, if Omos, if Omos had been booked strong the way that they're booking Obafemi strong, Omos would be over with the crowd. Omos would have been, you know, if Omos came, and, and this isn't even about an NXT thing. This is about booking. Right, and this is why, this is why I'm so hard pressed on saying that NXT is not just developmental. 
because it, it, it is a major brand, right? It's the third brand of WWE, absolutely. It's the C-Show, I get that. I'm never going to say it's better than Raw and SmackDown. But if Omos came in on Raw and SmackDown, he came in strong with AJ Styles, they, they won championships, right? If he would have turned on AJ and, and got a win on AJ, and then came in and got some more wins, rather than losing every time he was on the TV, people would have taken Omos so much more seriously. I think Obafemi's a better, you know, he moved a little bit better, I'll just be honest, than, than Omos. But Omos is also seven foot tall. But if Omos was just booked half as strong as Obafemi has been booked, people would care about him. And so it, I feel a little bit vindicated in my belief system that Omos didn't need to be fired because he, he sucked. Omos was very good at the role he was told to give, and what sucked was the was his booking. The constant losing is what hurt Omos. He could have gone in and, and beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania last year, but no. Like, Brock Lesnar would have overcome a loss to Omos. Like, he could have beat Omos... Or excuse me, Omos could have beat Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania last year and then gone in and pinned Seth Rollins. It didn't need to be a title match. I don't even think there was a title at Backlash, was there? Because it wasn't until the, the the it wasn't until a month after it at uh Night of Champions that Seth won the World Heavyweight Championship, right? So if he would have come in, beat Brock Lesnar, and then beat Seth Rollins two pay-per-views in a row, Omos would be a, a giant of a superstar physically and, and booking-wise, he would have had a lot of momentum going into the rest of the year. He could have gone up and been one of those guys that fought for the U.S. championship. But that would have been, like, let's reverse time for a minute. Let's reverse time for a minute. And and have him beat Lesnar. Have him beat uh, uh, Seth Rollins. Have him then go in and win the U.S. championship from Austin Theory instead of having Theory never on TV, ever, put Omos on TV every week as this giant who faces mid-card people every single week and just destroys them. And then you build a legitimate champion. Th- that's, that's literally all you had to do. And Obafemi is getting the strong booking Omar should have gotten. You would have had two giants, right? I even believe that Omos needs to come back and attach himself to Obafemi in some way. I don't know how... Like, I don't know... I, I don't know maybe if that'll work or not, but but my joke was, you know, they're going to tag Omos and and Oba together as a tag team. Right. And I'm pretty certain I said that on the episode, I just released episode one of season three that I just released with DJ Wavy D where I made that joke. And then less than an hour and a half later after it was posted, I get a message from DJ Wavy D because he was watching uh, NXT sort of live after we finish recording, we go off the air, we stop recording. We weren't ever live on the air, but we like we, we, we finish the recording. Episode goes up. It's been up for at least 30, 45 minutes at this point. And I get a message in Discord. Did you see that? Oh, well, Femi just won the North American Championship. Like this booking is how Omar should have been booked. And I'm not frustrated. I'm right though, right? I, I'm vindicated in my belief system. 90% of wrestling is booking. 
And everyone was like, no, man, no, Omos just, he, he just doesn't have it. No, the booking sucked. And this is proof. This is proof. What more do you need? Chalk another one up in the, in the point category for we too deep. He was right. 90% of wrestling is booking because Oba Femi maybe been wrestling for six months, if that, in WWE training. He had like one match at a random point, like early in 2023, and then never was seen again. And when I say early, I mean like June, July. I don't actually remember. But then was never seen again until the breakout tournament. And then he comes in, he destroys the breakout tournament, and now he's literally within a month North American champion. It's not that hard, man. This is the treatment Omar should have gotten. It's not that hard. It really isn't. Chalk another one up for We Too Deep. 90% of wrestling is booking. The other 10% is you're entering and then just the fan's personal opinion. But, at the, but here's the thing. If you book right, you change their opinion. Let me explain that. If you book right, you change your opinion. When Judgment Day started, did not care for them. They got some strong booking early in 2023. People started to care for them. I, hell, I bought a shirt, dude. I bought a shirt of Judgment Day. Was thoroughly intrigued by them. And, but I gave a warning with that. My warning was if you put them on all three shows week after week after week, people are going to get tired of it. Chalk that one up for We Too Deep as well because people are tired of it. Our truth has sort of injected some, some life back into the Judgment Day, some comedy, but we got to make a decision. Is Judgment Day going to be comedy like they started out as and what they are now? Are they going to be that strong, dominant team like they were in the middle of 2023 where people actually liked them? Because I don't think people care about Judgment Day. We just like our truth. We just like our truth. And and and, and that's 90% of the, of, of the product is booking. And the decisions that go on behi- behind the curtain. The rest of the 10% is the actual show. But if you book badly, you could you change people's opinions to not like whatever you're booking. But if you book very well, if you book a character very well, you can change the opinion on somebody. You can change people's opinions with how you write. That is literally the job description of a director. Let me give an example. We all know as human beings... That theft is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Right? But when you watch a movie, um, say like Bad Boys or Ocean's Eleven or Ocean's Eight, right? And you see these, like the bad guy is sort of the main character and you kind of cheer for the bad guy. Now, why is that? Because the director is able to write the story in a way that emotionally gets you to cheer for the bad guy. Maybe it's a, a a backstory on the character that's emotional and like I'm only stealing because of this trauma or whatever, right? Some backstory, right? 
Maybe it's just the way it's being written where where maybe the good guys, maybe like the police or something, and, and you see like corruption that the good guys are doing, and so you hope the good guys get taken down, but in that in that method, right, that means the bad... Let me give an example. Like the story is Edward... Like the story of Edward Snowden. Like Snowden committed so many crimes against so-called good guys of, of the federal government, right? The story of Snowden is crazy because he technically was the bad guy. Right, but he did a good thing, and now that's why people care about him. Like he's a real person, by the way. Um, bring him home if you're. Anyway, we're not going to talk about politics, but uh, but like Edward Snowden's actual life story is crazy. Like he 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 gets into the NSA. He he realizes that the government, the so-called good guys, are doing bad things to American citizens without their knowledge. He he steals all of that data, which first off goes against all the contracts that he signed when he first got that job, but it's actually a treason law. Like, like, like there's a reason he's wanted for treason. Like he gave our secrets, um, to the world basically and exposed how our mili- how our intelligence agencies work. And so he's, he's technically the bad guy, but when you understand the reason why he did it, like you kind of feel sympathetic for him. And in the same way with, with actual movies, like you can, as a director, your job is to get the emotion for each character in the way you write the character and the same things for WWE. But if you do poor booking, if you do poor booking and you don't book a character strong and, and, and you leave a lot of room for, for like subjective opinion you're not going to get a strong character. People, you know, if, if you give me a character that's sort of like half the crowd likes and half the crowd dislikes, you're, you're doing a pretty bad job. You're doing a pretty bad job as a director. If that's the way people, right. Right. Like, like I'm supposed to boo Dominic Mysterio and they do a very good job of getting people to boo Dominic Mysterio. Right. Even though Dom's one of my favorites on the roster, I boo him because of when he talks, he's annoying because that's how he's written, right? And the and the and the weasel, he's like a little weasel that that sort of you know he needs help to get everything he that he wants, right? Like and that, but that's the way he's booked, right? And they do a good job with that. And and so my whole my whole little point here, this whole little, this whole little episode came about once Obel Femi won, uh, that I had to come on here and and do this review show and say, you know what, I think I was right. If Omos would have just been a half as booked as strongly, booked half as strong as Obafemi has been booked over the last month, Omos would, right? But but like where Omos hasn't even been on screen since the draft, which was almost a year ago. It was like nine months ago. Like backlash ended, we had a draft. Omos is a free agent, and we haven't seen him except for like what a battle royal. Where he lasted like two minutes, if I remember correctly. But you could have booked him just as strong as you're booking Oba. And this, this is not a, like, I'm not upset at anybody. I love the push of Oba. Oba's severely over. I, oh, he's one of my favorites on NXT right now. But this just tells you that, like, maybe, maybe I understand what I'm talking about a little bit. 
because this is the entertainment business, right? And so many people, and this is, this is, this is where I'll end it. My frustration with a lot of casual fans is that a lot of casual fans are fans of sports. They're fans of MMA. They're fans of actual sports. And they're trying to bring that into WWE and it does not work that way. Right? Wrestling cannot be an actual sport because if you make it a sport, you have to take the entertainment factor away. WWE is an entertainment uh, avenue. It is no different than acting or, or right? Now, we need athletes because it's an athletic event. I'll call it an athletic event. But I will also say that Cirque du Soleil is an athletic event. You need to be somewhat athletic to do Cirque du Soleil. Like you can't just take the, you just can't take Joe Schmo off of Reddit and put him in the circus and act like he's going to be able to do it, right? They're athletes. They need to train. They need to be trained on how to do it. But it's not a sports event. It's not, it's not the same as MMA. It's just not. And so coming in and do, you know, trying to have like a regulation system or some sort of like records matter system or a point system that doesn't work because this is entertainment. Wrestling is entertainment. It's not sport. And so a lot of casual fans and their and the way that they look at it is through the lens of sport. And that's why they don't. I think that's why they don't understand what I'm saying. When I say that 90% of it is booking, it's because it's an entertainment factor. And and just like in Hollywood, just like in Hollywood, you can get some pretty shitty acting, but if the story is written well, you can sort of cover up bad acting. But if the story sucks, if there if the, and, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you an example of this. Now, I'm probably one of the few people that feel this way about this movie, but the movie Napoleon, I thought was one of the worst written movies I've ever seen in my life. So bad. But the acting was pretty good. But you can't cover the uh, you can't cover a bad plot with good acting. You just can't cover it up. You you may be able to get some points back, but if the plot sucks, it doesn't matter how good the people acting are. If the plot sucks, if the story is awful, you can have the you can have the biggest A-list actors and actresses on the planet in your movie, but if the story sucks, if the director and the writing writing team does a very bad job with with the with how do they present the story, it doesn't matter how good the actors are. Same thing with wrestling. You could have the best wrestlers in the planet, but if the story sucks, you get AEW. And you get bad wrestling. Right? It doesn't matter how good, it doesn't matter if it's Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega doing doing their matches, doing five-star matches every single week. If there's no story, or if the story they're telling is poorly written, you get bad programming that people won't sit and watch. That's what I mean by booking is 90% of the business. That is exactly what I mean right there. But with that said, I think I've expressed that opinion far enough here to, uh, on this episode. Thank you all for, for listening or watching. If you're watching on YouTube, leave us a thumbs up. Like like the video. If you, if you dislike it on YouTube, 
you know, you could voice that opinion. I would ask that you hit the dislike button twice. Uh, and then if you, if you do like it, hit that thumbs up and then, um, subscribe to the channel, share with all your friends, let the world know about the show. Um, if you're listening on audio, we appreciate that. If you're on Apple or Spotify, I know you can leave reviews. I'm not so certain about the other platforms, but go ahead and, and, and click that follow or subscribe button, turn on notifications at any, any time that an episode is posted, you, you, uh, you get alerted. And uh, yeah, man, uh, that's our first sort of NXT review. We're not going to do these every single week, um, but but y'all going to get a lot of NXT content on this on this show this year because I love NXT and 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 I think you all should love NXT. And so I think it's the best wrestling product on the planet. But if you guys enjoyed it, thank you. Final thing of housekeeping: um, go to junkyardmediagroup.com. We have some blog posts up there that you can also find the quick links to listen to the audio of this show as well as the audio of Beyond the Junkyard with Junkyard James and Cody. Um, Final thing is if you're not in the Discord, the, the link for the Discord is in the description. If you don't want to do Discord, like if you don't want to necessarily take part in that community, but you are listening and you still have questions you want answered, so speaking of that, by the way, um, if you are in the Discord, we I'm going to try to record episodes on Tuesdays, Tuesday nights, right? So you have until my, uh, Tuesday at about 5 p.m. Eastern time to get in your questions in the Discord. If you're not in the Discord and maybe you don't know what Discord is, maybe you don't want another app, maybe you don't want to join a, a community um you know, maybe you just you maybe you just want your questions answered. If that's where you where you stand, um, you can now email me at we too deep. That's W E T O O D E E P. We too deep at junkyardmediagroup.com. Again, that's we too deep at junkyardmediagroup.com. Dot com. You can email me your your thoughts of the show, questions on the show. What we're, uh, I do want to make this still as we go into 2024, very community based. Um, and so then final thing, as you're seeing scroll across the screen right now, if you're on YouTube, go to slappingmeatwrestling.com and get some get some slapping meat wrestling podcast merchandise. Um, and with that, thank you all for listening to this episode and I will see you on um, next Tuesday with the next episode signing out this is We Too Deep y'all have a great rest of your week brother I'm going run a wild Hulk Hogan if I like get some moment I'll make sure it's an explosion cause lately I've been No, ho-